Welcome back, everybody, to the Adaptations Podcast, where every week I bring on guests that are heavily involved in fitness, whether it's through business, through sport, or for fun, so that you, too, can get inspired by their lifestyle. Today, I have one of my best friends, Bree, quote-unquote top, the assassin. Assassin. Dude, thanks for having me. But, um, yeah, I like being down here in Jersey City. What's edison like are you thinking about moving out of there or still staying there i mean i'm i'm edison but like fords i i uh, i'm gonna stay there because it's only like 12 minutes from my job mm. what so, do you do again i'm a junior tennis coach mm -hmm. in in edison at uh the garden state tennis academy uh, i've been doing that for 12 years i've been coaching for like 14, 15 years, but I've been playing tennis since I was like four years old. So, Jeez, man. Yeah. Tennis isn't an easy sport, man. No, it's it's not. It it's, is not. It, it really isn't, but it's it's pretty fun when you get to, when you know how to play. Wait, when is, at what point is it fun? <laughs> it seems like, it's it's like you're learning, you're learning, you're learning, then you're competitive, and then, ah. it's So I guess it's fun when you're winning. It is fun when, it's way more fun when you're winning. <laughs> For sure, but you're not winning a lot. <laughs> you're, you're losing a lot more than you win. Damn, man. Yeah. Um, that whole like moving side to side thing, like, so I think a lot of people don't realize that moving side to side laterally, right. we don't really do that often throughout our day. We mainly move forward, like walk forward. Yeah. Um. Definitely, tennis is like you said a lateral lateral sport. Uh. That's why I'm better at sprinting short distances compared to like running longer distances. Yeah. Um, but I think that when I start, actually, I, I uh, wanted to get into running like longer distance. Yeah. Um, but I ended up injuring myself. Like I, I was what? talking to you before about uh, I was trying to train for a half marathon. Yeah. Like last year. But what uh, happened? What kind of injury? Uh, it, like my soleus, like I feel, or my calf area, Achilles ankle area, like it would be so, I think I had like tendonitis, like, yeah. like really bad tendonitis. And I would, it would be hard for me to walk on the court, like just to teach a lesson. And I was like, okay, something is wrong here. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I did a program like developed by one of my students' parents, who's like an ultra marathoner. And um, I think it was just too intense on top of working the 40 plus hours a week on the tennis court. Mm -hmm. And I was doing like, it, it, it's not a lot, I guess, but I guess in the first month I did 60 miles in total. Oh, wow. Um, but I'm just, my body is just not used to that kind of uh, abuse, I guess. Yeah. So. Do you track anything besides just mileage and time? Uh, do you mean, do you mean like... Uh, what, what like you your mean? heart like rate? The, no, I don't. I didn't track that. I mean, I was totally rate. beginner. You know, I, right. I, I was, I was just doing it because I thought it was something that I like doing things that I, I guess, I was always afraid of pushing my body past um, a certain, a certain limit where I'm like, oh, if I run ten miles, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, yeah. my body's gonna break. Um, but. It didn't break. Yeah. You know? And it was kind of cool. I got kind of got that runner's high, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it was just too much volume with the intense job that I have teaching tennis every week. So I had to uh, 
dial back down on that. And then um, I think when it gets warmer yeah, in the summer or the spring, late spring, I, I might start implementing running again. But I, I think I need to build a, a foundation a little bit longer, you know, foundation and go slower. Um, and I think my recovery is a little slower, mm. you know. Yeah, because especially since you're out on the uh, courts all day, right? You're teaching tennis. How many hours a day are you teaching tennis? About seven, eight hours. Yeah, and people don't really understand that. Straight. That's 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 a lot. It's a lot because when you're like at an office or um, you're usually on wood, you know, wooden floors are softer. Hmm. But when you're on the tennis court, it's concrete and it's and you're also in tennis shoes all day so mm. tennis shoes are supposed to be pretty tight on your feet and just standing on concrete all day i mean i feel bad for like the construction workers like they're in their boots oh, yeah. they're in the concrete all the time like it's just not good for your for your body like your back your hips your knees you know right. everything is just more impactful like compared to if i was working in an office or something or I don't know, working maybe at a gym or something. Right, like, right. Because rub, the f- rubber, like, right, rubber right, or right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense. I, this guy that designed the program for you, he was a runner, but he's not necessarily like a coach, right? Mm, no. 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 I mean, that that's fair. He got his feet wet. That's how we all start. We break a program for a friend. Um, yeah. If you want, I could put you in touch with a colleague of mine. He's a coach. He's a specifically a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of New York. He's run the New York City Marathon, oh, nice. and he's um, really into um, utilizing your heart rate and programming based off of zones, as opposed to uh, distance and mileage, which might be conducive towards you know managing the intensity. I'm actually interested in getting him, getting coached by him too. You've inspired me. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds expensive. Dude, so maybe, maybe <laughs> his well, training sounds expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he'll do. I gotta ask him. Oh my goodness. But you know, knowing that you're my best friend and we'll probably hop on this together, maybe he'll program for us. You don't know. You know, we'll support him. We'll support his business. I'm not gonna ask for a discount, but right, it right, is right. what it is. We'll just no, talk. That's we'll fine. talk. Yeah. yeah, guys. If 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 you got a friend out there, don't ask for a discount. Don't, don't, don't. Uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't. When another friend has a business, yeah, uh, like uh, my friend cuts my hair, hair, yeah, I don't, I actually tip him more, mm. you know. I, I don't know why. I think it's because I'm in the service business mm-hmm. and I just know, like, he'll take an hour to cut my hair. And uh, I know I'm sidetracking. No, no, no. That's, takes, the like, that's the point. That's the point. He takes an hour to come, hour or hour and 15 minutes to cut my hair to make sure it's good. And then he's like, and it, what is it? Maybe like $25 or something like that. And then usually people leave like a $5, $10 tip. Like I go overboard and give him like what I think his value is. So, you know. Oh, you're a nice guy. Yeah. 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 So I'm a little too nice, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've always been the type of guy that like, uh, you know, you'd go to McDonald's and you just. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. He's like on me, you know. Like you're just that kind of guy. So I'm so nice. You eat at McDonald's. I know a plethora of times too, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, going back to the coaching thing as like a tennis instructor, um, and how the level of difficulty that tennis is, I, I just think um, some people just jump into tennis and they don't realize that their body isn't meant to move like that yet. Mm-hmm. So if like someone does want to get into tennis, what would you advise them? Would be like a safe method. To get into tennis, I don't know if that question makes sense. Are you talking about like 
what exercises they need to do to get into tennis? Not just or? general, just general. Like, let's say, for example, like if you're looking at me and I ask, like, Top, I really want to get into tennis. Right. Like, how would you advise me to start playing tennis? Because I feel like if I just try to do it right away, right. I'm scared personally. That's I guess that's my fear, too. And let me be honest with you is that my body has adapted to just going up, down, up, down, forward, backwards. Right. That if I try to move side to side, I might like, you know, sprain my, like tear an ACL or some shit. Yeah. Uh, for beginner, like adults, mm -hmm. you know, we have a program for that uh, at our club. Um, but you just find a club, you know, um, you could even, if you had any friends to play with, you could do that. But I would find a club to play at and they would have probably a group clinic and you know you'd be at the beginner level so they wouldn't be doing anything too difficult they would just be feeding balls to you you wouldn't be really playing against each other sort of in the beginning hmm. you know so um but i mean tennis is a great cardio sport you know yeah it really gets your heart rate going there's uh it's more of like you're sprinting for a very short period of time for mm -hmm. one point and then you rest for like i don't know 30 seconds or something you then you do the next point. Mm, so mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a good sport. Um, it's not too impactful. I mean, you're gonna, if you're playing, I mean, obviously I'm on the court like seven, eight hours a day. Um, but I think it's a good sport. You know, what's the new, the new trend is uh, for adults is pickleball. Pickleball. Why is that blowing up? I think because uh, it does not require you to move as much as you have to on the right. tennis court. And, um, but you do have to, cause it is with like a wiffle ball, okay. right? And you, you do have to bend your knees more because the ball doesn't bounce as okay. high. Uh, but it, the court is, the court is smaller. So it's friendly for like older people, especially if you just play doubles. Okay. Cause then you don't, you only have to cover like half of that tiny court, yeah. you know? Um, but I don't know too much about pickleball, but they got some special rules. You know, so, have you gotten into pickleball? You played any pickleball? Sport? I don't. I've never played no. pickleball. Um, we were trying to think about a way to uh, start an adult program of pickleball at our <laughs> club. Like one of the directors is doing that. Um, I mean, but one thing is, it is so loud. Right, really? It is so loud. It, like when they hit, when you hit that, because um, it's a paddle. It's a hard paddle. So when you hit the paddle with the wiffle ball, that thing echoes like crazy. I think in uh, Westfield or something, there was like an article, or I, actually, I don't know if it was Westfield maybe, but uh, like the there was a pickleball court in West, in, in, sorry, a tennis court, but they the peop, the women, the older women, they play pickleball, and like the neighbors were were annoyed by how loud it was. <sighs> they were like, you, "This pickleball trend is not good. <laughs> like it, this sport is so loud, you know." So, but people like it. You know, yeah, 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 it's something to get you moving, keep you cool. going, you know, yeah. be active. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I um I try to preach to all my clients is as long as you're being active, you know, you're playing sports with your friends, doing something mm -hmm. to get you moving. Because a lot of my clients are sedentary; they sit down, they don't really do right. much uh, in terms of physical activity. Maybe they fidget a lot, maybe they shake their leg a lot, um, but in terms of moving, as soon as they get out of that position mm -hmm. or if they get out of that, you know, that sedentary position too abruptly, too quickly, yeah, and try to like go ham on the court, they end up injured somehow. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm totally different because just sitting here, like, I'm like, oh, my back is getting tight. <laughs> you know, I'm just used to being on my feet all yeah. the time. I feel like if I didn't have this this job, I would uh, I would be fat as fuck. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. So, what do you normally eat on a given day? Oh, I mean, I skip breakfast. Okay. Um, I usually just drink coffee in the morning and then so I prepare meals with my girlfriend like either Sundays and or Wednesdays and uh there's a whole bulk of meals of just like rice some kind of protein and some veggies or uh potatoes and it's just simple and then at night um I'll just use one of those meals you know because we don't have too much time like our schedules are actually opposite mm-hmm. where she's a she's a she's going to be a teacher so she's student teaching right now but um, I'm like th- after school program till e- late evening, like 3 to 10 p.m. And she's, you know, morning 8.30 to, was it 4, 3.30 or something like that. So we're opposite. So we don't have as much time. Um, so we just decided to start meal prepping. I mean, I should have done it sooner. It saves so much money. So that, that's actually a really great point. What were you doing before that? What was your job? We were just, we were just eat out uh-huh. all the time yeah and uh we would just make meals for that one meal like make yeah. it and i just feel like it was a waste of money to be honest and i was like oh i don't want to eat something the same thing all the time it's mm-hmm. boring but it's not that difficult it's so much more convenient to take the meal that you homemade and you know the ingredients that you put in and you just microwave it and then you just eat it and it's like so, it's so much better than just eating out and uh, or eating a lot of processed food. So, yeah. See, I'm not allowed to say that because mm-hmm. uh, I, then I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm a coach. I'm supposed to say that. Right. But I'm happy you said that. What, which which part? The the eating, making your meal prepping, making your own meals is so much more convenient. Because when I tell people, uh, hey, why don't you just meal prep? Why don't you just cook for the week? Mm-hmm. Their re- first reaction is like, oh, eat the same thing every day? And it's like, dude, it's not that bad. And number one. Number two, if the meal is ready, you can eat as soon as it's lunchtime before your cravings start setting in. So you can actually mitigate some of those cravings and overindulgence. Yeah, um, I think that before I also thought it was difficult and it would take such a long time to meal prep and all these things. First of all, it could also not be boring. Like, I mean, I'll you have to make different types of, I mean, you have to kind of know how to cook a little bit, you know. Um, you obviously have to have like that rice cooker, right? You know, um, I mean, I'm Asian, so you have to have that rice cooker, pressure cooker, actually. I mean, right. that rice is done in like 12 minutes or a pressure something. cooker. Yeah, the pressure cooker. It's what not. Is a, it? Isn't it an Instapot? Is it just like a regular rice cooker? No, because a regular rice cooker would take like 20, 30 minutes to cook the rice. So it's like 12 minutes or less. Or 12 minutes? And what does the texture of the rice come out as? It's good. It's great. It's good. Fuck. Gathered rice. It's great. I should get you one. I got to get on this wave. <laughs> I should get you one. Um, so what, what kind of recipes do you normally cook? What do you eat? It's just. We usually make fried rice, you know, um, put some egg in there, maybe some sausage, soy sauce, whatever. Um, But then we just mix it up with like just chicken, steak, shrimp, uh, ground beef, sometimes ground turkey, maybe some pasta. I actually have been losing weight doing that. Like I try to make my meals as delicious as possible, but 
I, it's definitely with the, I guess the size of the container that it's in, it's like, it fills me up, mm-hmm. but I don't feel as bloated as, as I normally would feel if I was eating something out that I didn't make. Um, I was going to say, you look like in great shape. I don't remember. I'm not in great shape. But. No, you look like you're in great. <laughs> no, 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 my friend. I remember there was like a while ago, years ago. Right. You, you know, you started gaining you some weight. During COVID? Uh, I think during it was like a little was, bit before COVID. Was, oh, God. Yeah, it was a little before COVID. It was like when you were going on the like rager wave. I was drinking a lot. Yeah, you were drinking a lot. Those IPAs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not anymore, though. And you like blew up. Like you even, rega- right. regardless of how active your job was, right. you were kind of like blowing up and you went on this wave of, okay, I'm going to stop. Like I'm going to cut. You would cut and then you kind of went back. Yep. You know, you flip flop back and forth. As we all yeah. do though. Like yeah. I do the same thing. But now it seems like you kind of found something that works, something that you can rely on, something that's tasty, something that's sustainable. Yeah, I think that it actually when we meal prep on Sunday together, first of all, it's something to do as a couple. Mm. You know? Uh and I, it's just you guys just starting. Just start like as soon as I start, like I get on a roll. Like, okay, start making the potatoes, cut the potatoes, cut some veggies, you know. And uh, it only takes, we timed it, it only takes like about two hours. I think one time we did it, we made like, I don't know, 15, 14 meals uh, in like an hour and a half. And the amount of time it would take for us to make those individual meals would take an hour each time or 30 minutes, 45 minutes each day. So I'm already saving time, Mm. you know, doing that. So it's definitely worth it. for sure to meal prep so and then in terms of like even if like let's say you're ordering out okay you know obviously you're saving money yep and then one thing i realized is uh when i'm usually ordering out if i'm ordering out it's typically because i'm hungry and i want to eat right away mm-hmm. and then i gotta wait another 45 minutes for my uber to get home i don't know how you guys order uber uh, oh wait well you're in jersey city though yeah right? i mean i'm I'm used to just if something is five minutes, ten minutes away, I just pick it up. You know what? I don't. I don't do that. (laughs) Something about being in the city, like in New York, Jersey City, uh, just a metropolitan area, I guess. Um, Uber is. It's it's it's. I think it's like more booming in this area than in areas where places are typically far farther away from you. Yeah, I just feel like, man, if I Uber, uh, if I Uber eats, I feel lazy as well. <laughs> I don't know why. It just I don't know how you do it. it because it adds so much more cost to the price of the It's already expensive. Yeah. Going to McDonald's is super expensive, yeah. you know, unless you're getting some kind of promotion. No, dude, it's right? ridiculous. But, Even with the promotion, you'll uh, on Uber eats, I'll get like 10 piece and fries and it'll cost me 30 bucks and it's like, why the fuck am I paying $30 for a 10 piece and fries? Yeah, I would feel bad uh, because it would be more expensive for me because I would tip the driver much more because <laughs> I'm like, they're giving me a good service here. So I got to yeah. give them like 20% or something, 15, 20%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm exaggerated though. It wasn't yeah. $30, but you know, I'm making a point. But right. yeah, you're funny. That's funny. You would tip the person more than the actual meal itself, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's why I would just go and get it myself or, <laughs> you know, or I would spend two hours, an hour and a half on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Meal prepping. But I, I love that because now it's like um, you control what you eat 
It sounds like you're having a well-rounded diet with the vegetables, some starches, some starchy right. carbs, right. some proteins. Yeah. You know, you're active now. To you're, I mean, you've been active, <laughs> but now you're trying to do this marathon, half marathon? I think at this point, my priority is just, as I'm in my 30s, early 30s, like to stay injury free mm-hmm. because I can't afford to injure myself. I, I, I just can't do it because I, I need to move. I need to hit with uh, these kids. You know, I need to be <laughs> I mobile. Were say, I can't hit these kids. Hit these kids. Yeah. <laughs> just beat them. <laughs> you don't actually beat them, right? Sometimes. No. <laughs> No, no. Yeah. So I'm actually pretty careful about what kind of activities that I'm doing. Um, like, uh, I think we were talking about it earlier because I went snowboarding uh, for the second time. Um, uh, what is it? Jan- I think I don't remember. When- oh, in December. Yeah. And I just was really careful because uh, I'm not that good at snowboarding and um, I had to wear a butt pad, you know. because you just fall a lot and last time i did it i was going too fast and i landed on my tailbone it was it was bad that's a tough i don't know i I think it's funny that you're (laughs) the irony of what you just said i'm trying to be more careful and so i'm going to stop running which is the safest thing you can do and i'm going to go to an extreme sport like snowboarding (laughs) and then i'm going to go hiking too and you're going to go hiking oh that's really cool too i forget that you're like an avid hiker yeah, I love hiking. Yeah. Great. What what mountains have you hiked? Oh God. It's too too many. How many? Uh I mean, in general or I mean in the I usually hike in the Adirondacks. So oh god, I'll talk about the Adirondacks again. You knew this was gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I've hiked twenty one out of the forty six mountains. Okay. But I've done some of them multiple times. So um I mean I've also hiked uh in upstate New York and sorry, not upstate New York, in the Catskills and in PA and you know other places so uh but just like the northeast yeah it's fun i like i like getting out there you know it's 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 definitely a different uh vibe out there you feel like the air is different yeah and you're going out there to hike and and when you're in jersey everything is so fast like traffic and people are rushing people are flipping each other off like oh are you um and just getting out of your environment it just feels i took you you know yeah it, it definitely did it feel different yeah absolutely you if, could actually see the stars <laughs> yeah that that for sure um i agree with everything you just said it does slow down you know you become more present um because uh, for me at least number one i'm just a hyper vigilant guy i'm looking out for bears tigers raccoons uh, everything <laughs> <laughs> um but besides that, uh, you, you definitely just slow down. You know, you're not thinking about your phone. You're not on your exactly. phone. You put your phone down. Um, you kind of you do get like lost in your thoughts here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a tra- as you're looking around, as you're exploring and you're entering new territory, mm-hmm. um, you are more, I guess, pulled out of your thoughts and pulled into reality into the now into the physical world as opposed to the virtual world that we're really attached to yeah this, there's no signal out there yeah right you were like where's the wi-fi top where <laughs> no actually you were surprised that there was wi-fi yeah at the campsite i'm like yeah there's wi-fi just go over there by the bathrooms but you're right you that's know? glamping it is we glamped a it little it is nice it is nice it's though. nice it's nice but it yeah you i feel like you need to disconnect yeah i feel like for me to reset 
sometimes that's why I like going out there and just focusing on you when you camp all you think about is your just survive you, the things you need right right just your shelter which is your your tent and your food because you got to cook your food unless you prepared it unless you meal prepped it before <laughs> <laughs> and uh and your your, your your clothing that was definitely glamping now that i think about it what did we have we had like ribeye we had potatoes we had i'm extra oh that was so I wanted good to host you really well oh you did you did a fine job my friend that that threw me over the the edge i definitely want to go camping again <laughs> after camping like that like it was it was it was nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, backcountry camp. It's just we're at a campsite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's car camping. The but car is parked right there. I think that's a great entry point for people who find themselves very anxious. Yeah. Um, want to be more active. Right. It's a great thing to do. Is just go out to the hiking. Um, you know, we found a campsite. Well, you know the campsite. You drive in. Um, and if you know friends who've camped like I do, mm -hmm. <clears throat> then you ask them, what should I bring? What to expect? Um, and then 90, I would assume I haven't done it yet. Cause I haven't camped on my own yet. Mm -hmm. I would assume that 80, you're, you're not going to be a hundred percent prepared. And I kind of like that aspect of like, Oh shit, I, sh I could have brought this. Oh shit. I, I didn't think of this and I need this because now you're kind of so there's like two methodologies to dealing with stress in my mind N number one action can i do something about this this is stressing me out can i do something about this and then number two is acceptance so that when i can't do something about something <laughs> something about something i accept the reality so it no longer stresses me out mm. and only temporarily until I can take action. That's interesting. Yeah. And so what I love about camping is that when you're missing something, you forgot something, right. there's no, some, you kind of just accept that this sucks. And all of a sudden, it, it just something about it doesn't suck as much anymore. It simplifies like when you don't have the thing that you thought you needed, and then you find out you didn't really need it. Oh, it simplifies everything. Yeah. It's a, that like minimalism of do I need all of these? Because the first time I camped on my own, um, and I would or I would lead, I guess, a group, I'd like stress over bringing everything that I could. And I realized you don't you don't need as many things as you thought you need. You you're not gonna use that uh, that TV. <laughs> Yeah. In the tent. Yeah. You know, you don't need yeah. that. You know, you don't need all of these things. Um, which is, uh, I guess, decluttering the mind, mm. right? Keeping mm. things simple, decluttering the mind. I'm, I'm a very, I definitely am a very anxious, you know, person. Uh, I do get stressed, um, and uh, about bringing things or just any anything in life. I'm just very, very like a anxious person, and. Uh, I just feel like when you have when you're out there out in the outdoors and you're with nature it just kind of like heals you mm. a bit it heals it heals like your your soul you know and Instagram doesn't do that you mm -hmm. know <laughs> TikTok doesn't do that you know mm -hmm. so um I like it yeah I like it I, and to piggyback off of that 
you are with yourself. You know, that is you, you discover yourself a little bit further. I think one of the biggest issues that people have with Instagram, TikTok, and I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm speaking for myself as well. Mm -hmm. But back then was when I would see somebody doing this or when I see somebody take a trip, somebody had this accomplishment, somebody, um, I don't know, something going on in somebody else's life. And I'm looking at my life and I feel like my life is kind of boring. Then I kind of negative self-talk, negative conversation with myself that just drives me down this hole of depression and anxiety. But camping is nice because you, you're alone with yourself. You, you, nobody is present with you. So you have to dig deeper into your sense of identity. And once you fortify that sense of identity, it doesn't matter what everybody else are doing. It really, who gives a shit? Like, good for you. That's my favorite phrase. It's good for them because I'm genuinely happy that they're accomplishing things. I'm genuinely happy that they're moving forward with their lives. Um, and then when people are talking shit about other people, because I don't like talking shit about people, I'm like, that's not my business. And I think those two pillars kind of keep me at peace with all the social media stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm posting a lot more. I'm doing podcasting. We're going to, we're on YouTube. We're trying to do we're trying to like do like long form content on youtube as opposed to the shorts and it, it's dude the conversations that i have myself sometimes is like dude this is kind of stupid and i'm like no i can't think that way i can't i can't be my own critic i can't be judgmental of myself i mean i respect that it's like we're seeing the start of something you know i, something I mean new? the beginning phases of i mean thank you for inviting me here i mean the beginning stages of something great you know and if if not, you learned a lot through the process, right? Yes, yes. Like you can take all these lessons of, I don't know, organizing, I don't know, scheduling these things, you know, and creating content. And, and I think it's hard. I think what you're doing is very different than the average person. And I always looked at social media and I was like, oh, I, I don't think I could ever do this. I don't think I can make this video. Oh, I would look stupid doing this video, you know? And like, here's my best friend, Jorge, doing this and this. And I'm like, wow, like if I wanted to, I could, I could do that. I could content create. I don't want to, but mm -hmm. if I, 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 and I respect you doing that without, you know, the monetization of it, you know, you're not getting you're putting so much work into it time money you know you got your brother here helping you out you know yeah and it's 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 respectable thank what you're you doing to build uh this foundation uh what you're trying to create thank so. you i i appreciate you saying that you know um yeah the one thing i found just being the secret to all that is just having fun you know just kind of enjoying just mm -hmm. enjoying what you're doing enjoying yeah. the ride and you know when you say stuff like that when people say stuff like that um it's fulfilling. I will say that much. You know, it's it's very fulfilling to know that number one on, my, on one side, I'm giving we're building a platform for people to speak, right? Quite literally. <laughs> um, and so what's also really neat is with that that is a platform that I don't really want to use for myself because I don't really I'm, I'm not that into myself, but I am into other people. I love people. I love getting to know people, getting to learn people about people, um, their helping background, people, right? helping people. Um, so um, to give you an opportunity to just tell your story, you know, just yeah. speak. Yeah. I think we are similar uh, in the fact that we love to help people. We do, because yeah. Because it really does motivate me when 
uh, I have a client and they're struggling with, usually I teach kids between the ages of nine to 17, mm-hmm. right? This is a pretty big range. Um, they have all different needs, but when someone is struggling with, uh, you know, some technique or some mental block when they're in competition, like it feels really good. It feels really good to help these kids and you're making you're making them a better person yeah. and you're making you're teaching them a lot of like different lessons without them knowing kind of like the Mr. Miyagi like you need to paint the fence you need to uh, I don't know what is he wax on wax off yeah oh my god how to forget that <laughs> um, so you're teaching them a lot of things throughout throughout like w- through working with them you know so um, that, that that you don't know like just being able because what I said before was you're going to lose in this sport a lot more than you win. But every time you lose, right, you really only lose if you don't learn anything from it. Right. Or you don't have the right attitude. You're not trying. You just tank. We call it in tennis. You're just tanking. And you you learn about yourself. Right. In competition. And one of the things that I'm focused on is. I'm not only their tennis coach, I'm also their, sometimes their sports psychologist, their therapist, their um, physical trainer, like mobility, right? So all all of these things happen, like this count, the counselor, like uh, there's so many different aspects of it. And uh, what's really important is when they're in competition, I try to get them to understand how do they feel on the tennis court, like, do you feel comfortable just being there? You know, because I've been there where I I used to be a very nervous kid in competition. So I know what it feels like and how to overcome it. And uh, I would say you don't look very comfortable because a lot of kids will say, I play great in practice. I play great in practice, but when I'm in competition, I can't bring out the best tennis player that that I, I can't perform well. You know, so how do you deal with that? Well, we talk about just breathing, right? We talk about keeping things simple. We talk about um, trusting your your body and trusting that you know how to hit these shots, right? Um, but there's a lot of things that I feel like in today's generation with these kids, their minds are racing. Like maybe that has to do with technology. I'm not sure. But my job is to try to get them to calm down you know, to calm their mind down and to breathe and to only think about the present. Because when you start in tennis, it's really easy to get ahead of yourself. And if you're winning, you're like, okay, like I'm going to win this. This is easy. You know, I got this in the bag. And then a tennis match can change like on a dime. Like you lose one important game. Now they're winning, mm-hmm. you know, and then you you start like, again, you you, you start thinking about too many of the future things that could happen. Like, oh, uh, if you're in a tournament, you're thinking, oh, who am I gonna play the next round? And you're still in the match. You're playing right then and there, right? Um, Or the other side of it is you're thinking about all the mistakes you made in the previous uh, games, because you're losing and you can't let it go. You're not letting those things go and that's affecting you and now you're playing worse, right? So there's just a lot of, I try to focus on getting the kids to think in the present moment, right? 
um, one of the things in this sport is like it's a gentleman's sport, right? You're supposed to be very – people expect you to be not emotional, right? But what I promote is it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to have all these feelings. Like if you're feeling frustrated, you know, if you need to yell, just let it out, you know? Um, that's why I don't agree with like if uh, you break a racket, you get like a penalty, you know? or a code violation or something like like it's very stressful because you're out there by it, tennis is the only sport where you're out there by yourself your coach can't help you your parent can't help you nobody can help you and you're not allowed to show any emotion like isn't that isn't that weird that's that's really crazy and the amount of stress that these players have is just is insane especially during the prof in the professional level but um going back to what i was saying just like staying in the present moment is really hard to do for a tennis match can last an hour and a half to two hours. It's really difficult. And you, to, to just focus on the point that you're on, it gets super difficult. So what I try to teach my students is like, if you're in, if you're having trouble being distracted, right? Cause I actually have one student, he has like ADHD. And like, if you have trouble with focusing, you know, don't look over at the court on uh, whoever's playing over there. Don't look up at your parent, you know? If it's, if it's uh, an important moment that you have to focus on, just focus on yourself by taking the racket, looking down at your strings. A lot of times when I'm playing tennis, uh, as a, when I was competitive, I would just look down so that I could have this kind of tunnel vision. And I would only look up to look up at the opponent for the next point, right? Because it's really important to be in the zone. And when I'm in the zone, when you're there in the zone, that's when they play their best, you know? Um, but yeah, I am focused on just getting them to understand themselves better. That's wicked. That's actually wicked. I've never really heard that explanation of tennis before. Uh, to think that number one, again, number one. Um, so I'm I'm thinking like, why isn't that the case with like? Because I've wrestled, I've done Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I've um, let's see, um, I tried out for a basketball team. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. But in those cases, I wasn't really thinking about the past or the future. Um, I was trying to read my opponent again and get back into it. And I've seen it happen in like MMA fights where the person's exhausted, they're tired, and they physically can't keep pushing forward. Mm -hmm. But I've never, I've never really seen it in a way where they're mentally, they've mentally given it up. I mean, there's obviously times when a fighter mentally gives up. And you see that they're taking shots that they weren't, like they're taking shots to the face that they weren't taking before. Um, and their technique starts to crumble. It just seems like they've given up mentally. But it doesn't, I don't know, I, I don't really see that happen very often, at least for me. Tennis, the way you described it, is you're, you've, you can be there for like an hour, two hours. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're constantly playing those two hours. It's like short bursts, which yeah. means there's a lot of stopping, a lot of yeah. just doing like waiting right yeah in a, in the way you can do a lot of thinking in that in that time yeah you can get distracted mm -hmm. in a lot of that time as well um yeah i mean it isn't obviously it's a non-contact sport mm -hmm. so it's definitely different from it's not as animalistic yeah. as uh, you know wrestling and and jiu-jitsu and all of those things you know right. so uh it's a different different mentality there's a different flow it's kind of like dancing you know mm -hmm. there's a different flow to to tennis where you have to have rhythm right you have to have um good footwork um 
good reaction time, you know, things like that. But there's definitely a flow. When you get into a certain rhythm and you found your rhythm in the match, that's when you can start to play a lot better. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you took dance classes, right? I did. I was barn dancer for five years. Uh, my partner was my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys were pretty good, right? We, we were, rec- we, yeah, we uh, competed and stuff. Uh, we were recommended by one of our coaches when we were younger to do some kind of dance. So it was between ballet, yeah, which I definitely didn't want to do because you had to wear <laughs> tights, or barm dancing. And I tried out ballet. I hated it. Went to barm dancing. Did one class. Like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, this, this is actually kind of fun. Yeah, you know? so it's a life skill. That's pretty cool. Thank you cool. to my parents for putting us in, I don't know, eight different, ten different activities at once. <laughs> God, it's so, no time to hang out with with friends and stay off the streets in New Brunswick. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely a way to keep you off the streets. Yeah. Out the hood. Yeah. In the hood. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, but that's, that's pretty interesting. So for any athletes out there listening, I think, yeah, taking a dance lesson is really awesome. Because it teaches you how to move in different planes, how to turn, how to use your legs, how to be more precise. Um, because especially if you go to a respectable dancing school, um, they typically have their own high standards that they compete at. And they like to embody that and teach that to their students. Yeah, it definitely helped with the balance. For that's sure. The, ba- the balance. And because you on some some dances, you have to do heel toe, you know, you have to go in, you have to go. Uh, you have to be in connection with the partner, right? Um, so it's just a lot of things that really, I guess I didn't know my body was learning, but it helped so, I try to teach good footwork. I really strongly try to teach good footwork in my lessons. And some of the kids are just so uncoordinated, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you and and then I would tell them I did barn dancing. They're like, "Wow! Like I don't want to hear footwork so good, you know." But um, but yeah, that that's really important in in tennis to be able to uh, balance and load with your core and your hips, and um, to be able to recover with balance, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Israel Adesanya. I think he was like a he's a. Do you know Israel Adesanya? He's like a MMA guy. Um, Naruto. Naruto, yes. Yeah. He is the uh the last style bender. Um, I think <laughs> uh, fuck was he welterweight? I don't know the diff- the, yeah. the actual weight classes, but he was champion for a very long time. Right. Um he was a kickboxer first, mm-hmm. but I think he also did like hip hop dance class. Like, Ooh. Yeah, so he knew how to like pop, how to uh isolate muscles, isolate groups. Um and like you said, be balanced, well, very precise. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's his uh, his his body is like meant for you know UFC. Oh my god, for fighting. So, yeah. Like he's very lengthy, right? Yeah. Like, he's not. He doesn't have like huge calves or huge legs, right? Yeah. But that guy is fast. Yeah. Guy's fast. As yeah. Well. Very precise. Yeah. Um. Very smooth. Um. And his last fight that he he um he fought against Alex Pereira. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the only person to have beaten Israel Adesanya in his kickboxing career twice. And so Alex Pereira comes from kickboxing into the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and within, I think, three or four fights, becomes the champion, um, which is, again, also, which is also very rare. You don't really just come into the UFC, do like three or four fights, and then yeah. 
become champion, you typically start off from the bottom, work your way up. Mm -hmm. um, Did he knock him out? Yeah, he got knocked out. Yeah. A technical knockout, I think it was, because the referee technically stopped it. Oh, okay. Um, but the cool part of and that's actually really cool too so it, there's another video of alex Pereira because he came from like the like he's from brazil but he's tech like i'm not exactly sure how but he's related to a tribe out there to an amazonian tribe mm -hmm. and there's a video of him doing the brazilian dance style fighting with somebody else so they don't actually fight it looks more of like a dance, but mm -hmm. it can be used as a combat, like for combative reasons. Um, really cool stuff. Like I, I just think this whole like mix of dancing plus your sport, it, it opens up this new potential to uh, just learning how to be more well coordinated, how to balance yourself how to move in different planes. And I think that's really the most impressive thing to me about tennis is being able to move in those different planes because right. I cannot move in those different planes. I fucking, um, I move side to side and again, I'm scared that I'm gonna like break my knee, twist my meniscus, tear an ACL. It just happened with me with snowboarding and it was like a freak accident. It wasn't even- Oh, like, you went snowboarding? Yeah, I went snowboarding at the big snow in um, Mall of America. When? when? Uh, this was Jan November of 2020. Oh, this is not recent. Okay. No, this was a long time. That's Wait, how oh, I tore the my meniscus. Yeah. Wait, not Dream Mall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's how I tore my meniscus. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah, and it was it was, it was a freak accident. That. It was simply because there was a person that was off the dolly. I don't know what you call it. The lift? Yeah, the lift. The, the lift, yep. right? And it looked like somebody had tried to get off the lift and had okay. just fallen. And so then it was my turn to get off the lift. And there she was right in front of yep. me. Yeah. She didn't move. She didn't move. Supposed to get out of the way. Right. Right. And so what do I do? Do I just run this like snowboard into her back? Right. Oh, you tried to avoid her. I tried to avoid her. Oh. Yeah. I tried to avoid her. My snow. But I had one foot in, one foot out. Right. It got caught. My knee oh, twisted. No. And I felt like, oof. Where was your Where was your leg? that was not in the snowboard was it in front of the board or behind because i was always told not to put my so my left leg would be in the board yeah and i and and uh my front leg would be in the board and my back leg would be free but i was always told to keep my back leg in the back like of the board not in front of the board you, you know what i'm saying you know like in the board or on the board you know on the board yeah but yeah. if i was to push right yeah right you, you have two sides of the board. You can be on the back side, like, I forget it. Wait, no, go ahead. Just, just wait. So like the back like side? You're not supposed to put, let's say my right leg. Yeah. I'm facing the right. So I can't put my right leg in front of the board. I'm supposed to keep it in the back. And this is my left leg right here. Oh, like when you're. This is not podcast friendly. When you're riding like one. <laughs> when you're riding with one know. leg in. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't. No, I, I think, I think I'm just kind of like. A little slow there. <laughs> no, okay. I think, but I'm, you, but your, but you twisted your knee because you tried to avoid, and then you, like, you felt it immediately. Yeah, I felt that immediately. Like oh, you felt like a crack goodness. pop, like type feeling. Um, and then I, I, and I, I, I'm okay with pain, like getting injured, um, stubbing my toe, like rolling right. my ankle. Right. But this one was different. This was like scary it's very scary it's like oof i've never felt that before being locked in to a board right while you're twisting while you're twisting the definitely 
a lot of the injuries happen after coming off the lift. Yeah. And that is, th- I, that is scary, right? That is scary. Uh, I had to do that. That was probably the scariest moment of the whole entire going up the mountain and then pulling up the bars, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's people coming behind you, so you got to get out of the way. And it's, it's, if you don't know what you're doing, like you should definitely, I would highly recommend just getting a lesson on a bunny slope or something yeah. because just jumping right into it is not, uh, it's not smart. Not. If, especially if you're an athlete slash coach who needs to use their body, you know? Yeah. Totally uh, agree with you, man. I totally agree. We should have gotten lessons, but, uh, we thought that after skiing is a little easier. I think that if I were to hit the slopes again, I'm going to try skiing. But the thing I'm afraid about with skiing is it's, easy it's actually snowboarding is uh hard to learn right but easier to kind of master and skiing is easy to pick up but hard but hard to master in what way like when you do skiing you're on two feet and they're separate and they're both Mm -hmm. facing forward Mm -hmm. so you just slide down the mountain okay but when you're snowboarding you're sideways so you're always falling on your butt right so if like you want to pick up something easier you just ski okay because you're facing forward. Yeah. And but the scary part is they say to do pizza, right? Where you put your legs together. Okay. Uh your toes forward together in a triangle uh-huh. and that'll slow you down. Uh-huh. Um I mean I'm going off like YouTube videos and no, that's fine. in my in my life, but uh it's it, it's really hard to slow down. I feel uh, I Oh, to slow down on the skis? Yeah, because you're You can't just put the sticks in front of you? Cuz at least <laughs> Is, I, thought that's, I thought that's what the sticks were for. I don't think for. you can just stick them there. No, that's for when you're um, at a flat surface. Uh-huh. Right? You're not going down a mountain. You're at a flat part of the mountain, and you have to push yourself. You can't just waddle? I don't know. I don't even know why we're talking about this. Because I don't know. I'm, how, I'm not a snow... Sp- people who like snowboard and ski, they're like, dude, these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Let me get on the podcast. Let me talk <laughs> Let about Let me talk skiing. about skiing. Let's get somebody on the podcast who knows how to ski and dance. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I like the idea of like sliding, you know, and going down the hill. I don't. I, I like the concept. Not fast. I don't like Not going fast, fast, though. Yeah, I don't like going fast either. You probably shouldn't ski because yeah. it's hard to slow down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's like the whole idea, like the fear of like running into a tree and... Another person. Or, or getting person. run over by these kids who are flying down the mountain. <laughs> that's what That's what I don't understand. I mean, we have the right of way because we're in front of them. Yeah. But And they're supposed to... You know, well, what if they make a mistake and just run into me? And, right. And I'm, what am I going to do? But you're on a mountain, so the mountain's usually big enough, right, for them to avoid. Yeah, but there's too many people uh, still. It's uh, way overcrowded. All right, then. I'll just go to the beach. I like beach. How about wait, How about surfing? Have you tried or thought about surfing? No. No? Uh. Next topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't surf. Why not? I'm not good. I'm good on the ground. I like the ground. I don't even like playing on clay in tennis. I Have like you ever playing been? on hardcore. <laughs> I don't like anything. Slippery. So no skydiving either. You didn't you skydive? No, no, no. I never skydive. Didn't you? You invited me to skydive. You crazy? Yeah, I you're wanted so to impulsive. skydive with you. Maybe less now, but you're so. Would you want to go to skydiving with me? Um, no. Yes. You know what we did? Matilda and I did. We um we went scuba scuba diving scuba diving. Yeah. That was pretty fun. That was um a weird, interesting experience um for someone who's never been scuba diving or like in the sea, like to kind of like go down. Wait, in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Uh, no, we went to Cancun. Oh, Cancun. Mm-hmm. When I watched Rafa. Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh no 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 no. This was 
Yeah, we went to Cancun a few weeks ago. Oh, you went to Cancun a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For oh, your um, skin, so nice. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, so thank pretty. you. So pretty, with your long hair. <laughs> we had I got braids and everything. It was pretty chill. Yeah. So you uh, scuba dive? Yeah, so we were going scuba diving, and one of the weirdest like feelings that I had to get used to was this mm. idea that I'm number one floating. Number two, there's like all this space that I didn't know about that existed right underneath my feet while I was on the boat. And it's like a frightening thought to, when you think about it. Like, damn, we're really just like on this thing, just staying afloat. And if we don't have this thing, like I'm going to go down. And at some point, yeah, we have the equipment to survive down there for a little bit. But I run out of oxygen and I die. And it's like, fuck, that's scary. And so then that was that started creating like this hyperventilating I don't know what was going on with my body, but I was, I was, I was gasping. I was like scared. I was, I could feel it because you know, you're, you're trying, the number one thing that you got to do is control your breathing, right? Because it's coming out of this right. little tube. Right. And if you use too much up of, uh, if you use too much of that oxygen up, you know, you run out of oxygen yeah. and just a whole clusterfuck of shit yeah. that got me scared. And the only thing I could do is just control myself and say, Hey, I'm no longer scared. Stop being scared. Breathe. Nice breath. That Thanks. Was good. Yeah, I felt was great. Good. I was I was just hyperventilating just thinking about it. But um, yeah. Once I like once you get over that like initial descent and that fear and all the anxiety that's coming at you mm-hmm. when in your initial descent, then you start to look around and it's actually really beautiful, yeah. very peaceful. How many feet did you go down? Thirty six. Thirty six feet. Yeah, okay. I think it was like thirty six forty. <clears throat> Funny story though. Funny story. Actually, speaking about oxygen, so we did two dives in one day. The first dive was kind of rough. Again, half the time I was like hyperventilating. I was scared shitless. Yeah. The second time I was like, I was. I felt like a pro. Like I knew. Like I was watching the instructor mm-hmm. trying to copy everything that he was doing so that I could be just as good as him, if not better than him, <laughs> at scuba diving. On the, um, okay. On the second try ever scuba diving. That's was, you. Yeah, it's totally fucking competitive. Me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just kind of like dicking around. I was fucking around, and there's like the sign language that you're supposed to do when you're like to, to communicate with uh, the instructor because you can't speak. Yeah. So you gotta con- you gotta communicate. Just give him the middle finger. No, nah, I didn't give him. <laughs> And so, like, they had this, like, wavy hand thing where you're, like, jiggling your hand, and yeah. this means, like, something's wrong, like, something, so- <laughs> something's bad. Something's bad? Yeah, so I was, oh, like... Something's bad? Yeah, something's bad. Or are you good? I'm okay. No, 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 something's <laughs> bad. Something's like, bad. I gotta go up. Okay. Right? And so the reason why I remember that is because I started looking at my oxygen tank, and my oxygen tank was at, like, I don't know what the units are, but it was at, like, 500. I think we went down with 800. Um, And so it was at 500. I was like, okay, let me... If I time this correctly, I... Like I'll figure out how much time I have left before I right. die. If I <laughs> if I try to die, time this down to the two fifty, because then that means like if that if, if it takes ten minutes to get down to the two fifty, that means I have ten minutes left before I perish. And it didn't work like that, did it? It sort of worked. It like sort that. of worked. It sort of. Good, you know. good job, math. So 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 like ten fifteen minutes went by, and then I realized like I don't have a watch. I don't know how long this has been. <laughs> so I'm just picking it up and looking at it, and it's down to the two fifty. I'm like, okay, I should at some point probably say something to my instructor. Like, we got to go up. Right. And then it got down to like the 100. And I'm like, okay, maybe I could ride this. <laughs> I was like, maybe I could Shit ride this. Pants. I could ride this to like the 25 and I'll be good. But then luckily there's like a voice in my head that said, Jorge, this isn't like a gas tank in your car where you just let it get to E and you pray that it gets you to the next gas station. I should probably let him know now in case like 
you know, I run out of air on the way up. Right. And then I really start to hyperventilate and then I'm like, causes a fucking shit show for the rest of us. So I tap him. I'm like, hey. And then he looks at it and he goes, his eyebrows raise. He's like, and then he grabs his X-Ron because you have like an X-Ron in an emergency. Oh, one. nice. And he pans that to me. Oh, cool. And so I'm like, okay, I got to I got to replace my thing. And so I'm like using his oxygen now and it's not hitting as strong as hitting. like the first one. It's not hitting, man. It's like a little slower, like a little bit more friction. I guess it's to control. I don't know, man. You got two people breathing on it. So you, somebody's got somebody's <laughs> to get this short end. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to get less oxygen for it to last. Um, and so we float back up and so then I'm talking to him and he's like, yeah, typically, uh, once, uh, I think we went down with like a few thousand, not 800. Cause then he's like, typically once it gets to the 500 mark, that's when we got to go up. You were down like sub 100. Like that's very dangerous. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just... And Matilda's just there. Wait, you, Matilda went with you, right? Yeah, Matilda yeah, went with us. Yeah, she's just like, just floating away. She's yeah, like, oh, she was what's at, going on over there? She was at like the 300, 400 still. Everybody right. else was still at like the 300, 400. Um, and they were doing that because they wanted us to have more time to explore and stuff. I don't know why I breathed it. Like I used up so much oxygen. Maybe it's because. Big dude. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Maybe it's because like our muscles, you know. Yeah. Maybe they require a lot of oxygen, but it was um. It was quite the experience. I think you should totally do it. You should totally go uh, scuba diving. Go sky, under the sea. Skydiving. Scuba the diving. Oh, man. A lot of diving. I, I, I th uh, One of uh, your client, uh -huh. my also best friend, Joshua Benavides. Yeah, but I'm your best friend. It's not a competition. It's always a competition. It's always a competition. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was with his fiance in Indonesia, and he had... How many days in a row did he scuba dive? And, you know, he has a big fear of, like, you know, open ocean, mm. I think. Yeah, I think he does. But, you know, his fiance is like, Nofi is like, yeah, just let's just do it. And he said it was awesome. Like, I think after you get over the fear of doing something once, like, and then it becomes it becomes easier. Right. You know, which, but I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know about that open ocean thing. That's. I think you'll love it. I think I will. I think you'll love it. Not right now. Yeah, it's it's different because it's slow. <laughs> it's what? It's slow. What's slow? You're diving. You know, you don't go fast. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you descend. That's what I mean. I so kill myself so because fast. because you know you know like you don't like speed. So yeah. you don't wouldn't like skydiving. I think you'd like deep sea diving because you go slow. You go down very slowly. Just like looking behind, I've seen. Oh, I've seen too many shark videos. Nah, there's no. They're sharks. in the. They're they're like just diving down there, and then the shark hits them in the back of the head. It's like, where did that come from? I mean, Ooh. imagine diving in like murky water. You don't know what. Mm. I'm guessing it was really clear. Yes, yes, yes. It was yes. super clear. Very clear. Yeah. I could see. I could see far. I could see far enough. I could see the coral reefs. I yeah. could see all the fish. Yeah. We saw blowfish. Yeah. We saw like a stingray. Right. It was really nice. Um. <clears throat> I saw ghost fish. Those are the ones that sit at the bottom, right? They're like all camouflaged out. And then when the prey like goes to like slightly above them or in their close in proximity, mm -hmm. they just pop out and just eat the other fish. It's really cool. It's really cool. Nature. Nature, man. Nature. Nature. But I think you'd really enjoy it. Um, deep sea diving. What else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you were saying, though, about um, trying something new. Yeah. That's what kind of stuck out to Getting me. Getting out of your comfort zone, trying something new. You know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, 
you surprise yourself like actually how smart you are or how like I don't know good you are at uh, some something whatever you're picking something do. up yeah picking something up you know I don't think you would regret it right you know like first time going out camping on my car, camping by myself or doing solo hikes I just was like oh I I couldn't do that you know and I would do it I'm like oh I love this you know how do you get over that over what the fear yeah of solo yeah um that's a good question <laughs> I think you just so. I obviously I have a uh, the hikes that I do are pretty long like they're probably between six to ten maybe twelve hour hikes so they're longer hikes they're not like three hour hikes and you, some of them you're deep into the mountains and I have uh, a Garmin GPS device my sister got it for me um, so I can you know if I need like search and rescue or something or I just know where I am at. You know, and I have the All Trails app on, on my iPhone, so I stay on trail, you know. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of safety things. There's like 10 essentials. I don't know the exact list, but 10 essentials that you need to have when you're hiking, you know, always, right? So, like, you know, clothing, like food, water, hydration, um, like that. It, you could have a, you know, you need a paper map. They say you need a paper map because if your phone breaks and you relied that on that as a map, oh. then then you're screwed. So a paper map, if you drop it, it's not going to, you know. Okay. So there's just a lot of, like, safety stuff that you, you know, you're not going to get it right the first time. But, you know, the more times I went out there, I uh, I learned I, I learned more things. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like how much actual food you need to bring or because sometimes you overpack. And then when you overpack, your pack is too heavy. And then when it's too heavy, you move slower and you get more tired. You know, so all these factors. um are, uh, need to be considered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but definitely solo hiking. I really enjoy it just because it, it just, and I don't even like listening to music while I'm, while I'm out there. I won't listen to music. I'll just, I'll just go out there and just hear all the sounds of nature. And it's just so relaxing. And your mind, uh, starts to just think about what's important. Like mm -hmm. when I'm out there, it really makes me appreciate what I have in my life, you know, and um, like how much I actually miss being home, being being with my two dogs, with my girlfriend, you know, and my friends like because you're just in solitude. And sometimes you need that reset, but I definitely uh, you learn to appreciate, you yeah. know, what you have when you're out there because I actually don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know what it is, but nature definitely, definitely heals. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever? No, this is gonna be like a. Yeah, I should have just asked it. That's crazy. Next time. Ask what? Have you ever thought about doing shrooms out there? Shrooms? Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing shrooms? I don't out really there? do drugs. Yeah. No. I but don't. shrooms. 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 Uh. <laughs> don't I sound like such a safe person? You don't want to skydive. You don't want to scuba dive. You don't want to do drugs. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, don't do drugs, guys. Shroom. Um, I mean, I have I have friends who 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 do do shrooms like when they're you know you know uh, they do they do some do some of that stuff, but uh, they say it's awesome. They say the experience is crazy, but I feel like I have too much anxiety about not being in control of my like right. body, right? And my mind, right? And I feel like I would probably be a lightweight, so it would easily. 
Uh, yeah, but that's more like a spiritual, uh, spiritual journey? personal. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. Uh, people abuse it. They use it as like a party, mm-hmm. like for party right. reasons to rave and to right. do other stuff, um, or to just do it casually, just trishes and giggles. Um, but on the other side, there's, you know, you, you use it for like self discovery. Mm-hmm. You use it because maybe you're at a point in your life where you need to find out a little bit more about yourself, so that you can guide yourself down this right path, um, right. to be more present, be more in tune with nature. Right. Um, and so, if that's the case, if that's the route that anybody ever wants to take, I'd probably just tell them like, you know, just start off with like one cap, mm-hmm. one piece. Right. Um, wait two to three hours. Wait for that to. It's just you're gonna feel something. You're not gonna feel like crazy, but it it it's like feeling like a slight buzz. I could imagine how great that must feel, especially if you're out there camping at yeah. our glamping site and we go out and look at the stars and then we just start feeling whatever you're feeling. You know, yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be pretty awesome. I'd probably try that though, not in the wild, only because I'd probably do it like in the comforts of my home. Just because yeah. there's no outside factors, yeah. you know. The first but, uh, time, if that if, uh, if if that sets you at ease, absolutely. Uh, another thing is, uh, I would recommend you do it outside because it's just really. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it just hits differently when you're inside. You're kind of cooked up, and it does become more about yourself and spiritual. And you know, you do think about your just 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 your your utter self not your ego not your thoughts not the identity that people have put on you but your true self like who am i what am i what is this consciousness i guess i would be afraid that i would like it and then i would want to do it more you know interesting i yeah i i think you would like it i i even if you do do it more again as long as you're not abusing it yeah i think it's fine um Everybody has their reasons for doing it. Right. But the opposite, the other side is if you're doing it outside, that's when it feels like you're really in tune in nature. Mm. It's kind of like, um, at least for me, my experience was I'm no longer looking at these leaves and trees as um, things, items, um, plants, mm. just part of my simulation, right. right? I'm kind of seeing them as their own living beings, like their own, like, mm-hmm pulses which is kind of cool because you know deep underneath the ground there's all these roots and trees and plants are able to communicate with each other they've done like different experience experiments where they test out the frequency of a plant while they're harming the plant and they see that like the frequency changes something like that um and so i just believe that you know they grow they die they live they're pretty much like this like very similar to us except just on a different frequency how long do you does that high last Oh, the shroom trip, uh, it could last somewhere between three to five hours. Depends on how much you're taking. And so overnight, you would feel fine the next day? Or would you yeah. feel sort of like hungover or no, something? No, not hungover at all. Uh, you'll go on the next day feeling the same way, uh, feeling just normal. Uh, it's like if I had to compare it to something, it'd be like smoking weed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and just like smoking weed, like if you smoke too much weed, it yeah. puts you into the couch. It just you get stuck right um so again you don't want to do too much either it's just yeah. like one cap one mushroom cap yeah go out there go hiking on a nice hike not a really strenuous hike oh well, you're hiking while you yeah, yeah, are yeah, high yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't do that no, no, no way you could, no you totally way could, you totally could you're like oh that's a friendly fuzzy uh little little uh little bear <laughs> i should 
Oh, he's so cute and cuddly. Yeah, maybe yeah. not those areas. Oh, you know, definitely do your own research. In I actually terms haven't of seen areas. any bears in right. the Adirondacks at all. So, right, but right. if you've heard from people that you've seen bears in that area, I you know I might want to be sober for that. But people, yeah. people take beers up there. You know, they'll yeah, crack a cold absolutely. one up there. So why not absolutely. just crack a crack a <laughs> shroom cap? Definitely not the first time, but that'd be cool. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like we should do that. We definitely will. I All feel right. like we should do that. I've well, got his consent. It's on we camera. Should, we should so do I was that. I was subtly like throwing that there in right. for you. You've been subtly trying to, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to get me to try new things this whole yeah, time. Yeah. You know? But I think you'll enjoy that. But I wouldn't do it at night personally. Wait, what? Yeah, I personally I thought, don't like doing I thought it that. Was at night. Night. I thought it was at night. Yeah, but I'm a bitch. I'm scared of the dark. Nah, let's do it at night then. No, no, no. Come on, let's try new things. <laughs> I'm let's so do it at scared night. of the dark. All right, maybe we'll do it like into the, the sunset. The campfire, bro. That is gonna be nice. Come on now. It is. Just sitting it is. there in the campfire. But dude, <sighs> just, just, just fall asleep in the in, in your. Uh, if you get spooked out easily, chair, I wouldn't do it because. Me? Yeah, I'm just saying. In the dark? Yeah, oh. No, not saying that you do get spooked out. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, for anybody that's curious, if you do get spooked out easily by anything, hmm. I wouldn't do this room trip for the first time at night. I'd do it broad daylight, trees, positive vibes. That's cool. Yeah, so we're doing it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, let's... Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, it's going to be fun. That sounds fun. great. And then we could talk about it. Yeah. I'll write notes. Like, I wrote notes the first time I got high. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I, I feel like I could do a backflip. My friend's <laughs> like, don't do a backflip. You can't do a backflip. <laughs> okay. Did you try doing the backflip? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I listened to my friend. I yeah. How cool would it have been if yeah. you actually did the backflip? <laughs> Break my neck. Oh, fuck. Not acting up. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for coming. Um, gonna cap Appreciate it there. It.